world record holding Bondazi Fire! Right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Fondazi Fire, and this is a show that asks a simple question, what do you want? Now, normally the answer would be more fire, but since this is a podcast, we're going to be giving you the ins and the outs of how a world record holding fire performance group operates. Today, the answer is rogues and ruffians. And to help me with this conversation, I am joined by my beautiful and lovely wife, Katie Mighty Mouse Matryoshka. Hello, and we are joined by Chris Meese, Teresa Meese. Hey there. <laughs> and the entire Fondazi band. Welcome, guys. Yay! Yay. Kristen Ritterly and Allen. Kristen Ritterly <laughs> Allen. We got them all. And my name, of course, is Adam the Rambaro Soko. So today we're going to be talking about Rogues and Ruffians. For those of you that don't know, Rogues and Ruffians is a festival a non-profit renaissance festival that is conducted usually about the first or second weekend in October. And we've been doing it for many, many years, and we're saddened that this year we're not going to be able to do it. So this is our way of remembering what goes on at Rogues and Ruffians. Uh, Katie, would you mind telling us a little bit about Shakespeare on the Edge, the group that puts on the... Or the uh... Shakespeare on the Edge is a 501c3 nonprofit. They basically got tired of selling candy bars to raise funds, so they started um, a gathering of rogues and ruffians, and a pro- um, all proceeds from gathering a gathering I can't talk a gathering of rogues and ruffians benefits Shakespeare on the Edge. They can continue to offer programming in their community. And that community, I believe, is it's not Baraboo where the festival is held now. It's uh, in New Glarus where the festival used to be held. And Alan, you were there the first year. Our first year as as Bondazi at Rogues and Ruffians. Uh, what do you remember about that? You know, that was actually a really uh, fun year to, to be there. First of all, uh, like all uh, festivals there that I've been to, it was cold, but not nearly as cold as last year. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no. But, but uh, um, I, w- I was there with uh, with uh, Brett. He was he he came with us and uh, as uh, at doing fire performing, and we had the band at the time, and it was. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, side note, they hired the band. They didn't even want the fire to start with. No, so. but they yeah. remember so take, the first... So take that, fire eaters. No, uh, the lead yeah. came through Heather. Heather contacted me and said, hey, this group wants the band to play. And then I just did the negotiations for you guys. And having fire there was not even planned at all. No, that yeah, was we, kind of like Brett wanted to... I think it was Brett saying, hey, I have this weekend free. Can I go just do fire while you guys? <laughs> Actually, and, and you can, he's not on, but I'm pretty sure what happened was we, we got together as a band and we're like, we want to have fire. We wanted Brett to come. We wanted to get a, a fire into the uh, group because uh, we thought it would be way more fun for us and for the crowd to get fire involved since that's kind of what we do. So we went around and just sort of asked everybody and Brett had a bunch of solo stuff he wanted to try. So he was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. So he, he, uh, he basically volunteered, like we all sort of volunteered our time to go out there and do it. And then uh, we split the tips and stuff. And it was super fun. It was a lot of fun. And we met a lot of people that even th- last year who we, we met at Baraboo, hugs all around and everything. All these people that we met, we met there the first year. So it was, uh, and it was in a, in a veil at the time. So 
uh, we had you had to go down this long shoot passageway <laughs> that was took forever, and you 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 almost felt like you were traveling into another world. It was really magical at the time. I loved it, um, and uh, I I get why they had to change venues, but it was really cool to go in that uh, down that long path, and you emerge into the veil. And they had it was a really really um, I don't want to say quaint as if it was small and, and meaningless because but it was quaint in a, in the best kind of way. So I yeah. really enjoyed those first couple of years. Yeah. I'll say when we first went, we Adam and I joined the second year, and it was Adam and I and Brett, mm-hmm. um, Alan, Heather, and then our drummer was Trevor. Trevor, yeah. Was Trevor. he there the second year? Yes, I don't think. Uh, I think oh no, he wasn't. He wasn't there. No, that we never brought it. We didn't bring a drummer. Okay, that's right, we didn't. But my favorite thing about that was when you and Heather came up with this like pokey song, and you would follow Adam around. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and here you have this pokey song the entire festival. You had never done that at any other festival before, and you just followed. I and mean, every time Adam started walking, you play, and then he'd stop, and you guys stop playing, and it was this little. Yeah, it was you know the, the 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 best things and the worst things about being at a festival like Minnesota or like a big huge festival is that you get these huge crowds, huge crowds of people who come and and, and see you, and and we love everybody, but. When it comes to doing something on a very small scale, something like uh, just uh, you know mi- miniaturized, walking around the festival and stuff, you know you, you lose a lot when you have when you're wall to wall people. You know you can't get a, as much fun. So having a smaller venue like uh, Rogues and Ruffians, we get to do a lot more playing around out in the street and and getting to interact with people a lot more. I I have made strangely enough, I've made almost as many uh, patron friends at Rogues and Ruffians as I did think at Minnesota. It's it's kind of yeah. funny how that works. Well, the thing that, I mean, you used the word quaint earlier, but yeah, just, yeah, I love that venue because it is such a secluded little area and you separates yourself from the real world that you're leaving and you're walking down that arduous path. Uh, and they have performers along the path too, to help you uh, just keep, sort of get you in the mood as you're going down. And that was actually one of the places where we came up with the little bit of fire, more fire, because we were on the trail doing our, our trail duty. And you have five, ten seconds to engage uh, a patron as they're going past you. So you had to be creative on what you did with them. Yeah, we we worked a lot with Brett on trying to figure out the not severity of fire, but you know my my fire manipulation skills compared to Brett's are nowhere near his his skill level. So it was like, okay, can I at, interact with Brett? And still have us be able to play together, but not have me do the same tricks or copy or mimic or mine. And that's in the whole little bit of fire. I'm going to give a little bit of fire. And he takes it out and puts it away. And, oh, no, it's too much fire. And then we give a little bit more. And then all these different ways of uh, changing the fire from one person to the other. And then extinguishing Right. really was born out of that trail uh, performance. Yeah. Because that is something about the smaller festivals, like Alan said, it's great to have a huge festival like Minnesota, but at these smaller festivals, we're not nearly as busy. I think we had three shows. Yeah, three, and, three or four, but at the same time, we have to be really careful on our sound and making sure that we're not doing too big of a performance because we're used to being extremely loud at the big festivals because we have to be. That's, that is true. And as Alan can attest... Um, at least that first couple of years, they didn't. They just had us on a stage, which is great. But when you have a huge open valley and you have a huge loud fire show, we had to we had to tone that down so not everybody's. Yeah. So didn't want to the, step on other people. 
the very first uh, the very first year we were there uh we show up and we're like we're here and they they look around i can't remember who we spoke to but one of the managers there they looked around and they and they looked like lost and i said uh well what are you looking for and uh and she was like uh I'm looking where I want to put you. I'm like, okay, well, uh, you know, so they, they're, so they, they wanted to put us in this one, one corner. And, uh, and, uh, I was like, uh, no, we're, we're actually going to do fire. And they were like, you're going to do fire. And I said, yeah, well, we, you know, we brought a fire performer. We might as well do it. So then they got kind of excited and they moved us to a different area right beside this, uh, this great Vardo that, that, that this, uh, that these, uh, sellers had put together, uh, since they'd be kind of come, I, I know their whole family now, which is really funny. Uh, and we argue on Facebook. It's so, super funny, but uh, uh, they they were, they put us right next to this venue, uh, this one uh, stage. With, I mean, so it basically looked like like Minnesota, and the fact that we were right next to a a, a gypsyish Romani Vardo. It was really fun. So uh, that that was really that was really cool. And so we got to we got to like almost make a second stage. We just kind of made a stage. We just kind of marked off an area. We went and found benches and we moved them and with like. We got to just crash our own stage that first year, and it worked out really great. Yeah. Can anyone else see that theme within Fondazi? We just kind of take over and make our own stage <laughs> wherever we are. Make a stage and steal benches. <laughs> Boom, Fondazi show. The second year, though, they put us on All the World as a stage. Yes, that was yes, a great was stage. The, yeah. only, the only problem I had with that stage was that it was a little bit on a hill, and I kept almost falling. It was slightly on a hill, and we didn't have a backstage. That was also the year that you got lit on fire. That's right? all. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same year that I lit myself on fire. Yeah, we've told. Have we told that story? Oh, we've told that story a couple times. You want to try to tell it again? Well, I don't know. I'm looking more at Teresa. Of have we talked about that story in the podcast? Like, have we published it? I honestly, <clears throat> we've talked about him lighting himself on fire with a whip. I need a little bit more information on this specific it's, it's one. The one. It's the one where I yell like, monkey and no one comes oh, yeah, to yeah. help me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tell that one. Okay. Brett, <laughs> yeah, that's with that, that one, one with Brett, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. Okay, well, we'll just skip past that. Yeah. Um, so we we go back a couple more years. I kind of want to skip ahead because it's, while it was great and I loved it, um, I want to talk about the year that Raiderly came out with us because that one really sticks in my memory. So the last that's the last year, right? That's the last year they were at that location. Yeah, so the, we did a few years, and we were just on all the world's a stage. And then the final year, we decided, you know, it'd be better for us if we brought our Vardo down so that we could have our own our own stage and we can be on flat ground and, you know, we create a new stage. We, we basically give back to the festival by creating a stage. Right, and that year, Raiderly was still one of our dancers. And... Mm-hmm. That year, I don't remember why we didn't bring musicians. Uh, we didn't bring musicians that year. Just we just hadn't done that ever. I, mean, I take that back because we had the musicians initially. Yeah. And then I think there was just conflicts in scheduling, think, so we decided we were too. just going to bring. Uh, yeah. I believe that was the year, one of the years that Alan had taken a break from Fondazi, and I believe, mm. yep, there was just some conflicts. So it was Adam and myself. Brett couldn't come down. He he had always done it. Yep. So we opened up to Raiderly and we wanted to bring her down. Um, I believe that was Casimir the came second that year. year or the first year Casimir was there? Uh, I think it was the second year, maybe even. Yeah, I think it was the second year Casimir was there. Okay, and we, so. we thought it would be a great idea to bring you because your husband was already there. And it was like, right. let's make it a family thing. Mm-hmm. Right. 
It was very nice. Thank you for letting me have a weekend alone with my husband without children. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so the reason why this, this weekend really is stuck in my memory is because it rained a lot. Oh, it rained so a lot much. the entire week before, not just while we were there. Yeah. So the grounds were sod, sodden with water. They were just completely soaked. You walk around and squish like six inches deep. My, my dress <laughs> was wet all the way up almost to my mid-thigh before I took my skirt. My, my big skirt was like, it had soaked up water up to my mid-thigh before I took it off because it was so heavy I could barely walk in it anymore. My boots were so... <laughs> it's yeah, a bowl. It's, 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 it's a bowl. Everything water. goes in there. Yeah, all right. Exactly. Right. right. So as Adam talks about this, a wonderful walkway down into this veil, this, it opens up into this beautiful just spot. It, it was mud-ridden. I was going to say, like, so I was wearing my, I still had my sh I have my short cat skills, so which barely up, go up over my ankle, and my cat skills, so we were staying, we had brought our trailer, our camper pop-up, um, which was also an adventure trying to get that thing parked anywhere, because they were very, they're like, oh, you're going to be in this field, and we're like, that's where all the campers are, we looked at, like, that is a hill like this that we have to go down, so like a 30 degree incline or something to get where all the campers were. Um, and no one else had a pop-up trailer and we're just like, I don't think we're going to find a flat spot to put our pop-up here. And so we moved to a farm field across the way <laughs> and just kind of took up shop. We're just like, yeah, we're going to go here. But I got in after the first day uh, and my boots were just caked in mud. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this will be interesting. Trying to like whack these out the next day. Um, so that was fun, but it was also super awesome. Um, because like everything was squishy and wet because <laughs> it was so fun too. That year also was the first year I watched the uh, Bluebeard show. Mm -hmm. We sat down, remember Raider Lee and I huddled together in a cloak because we were cold. We were bundled up and we watched the Bluebeard show. Bluebeard show. Yeah. I really like that show. It's funny. It was yeah, super fun. I was guy. surprised, like surprisingly funny, unsurprisingly like cool kid show. Yeah. Um, which you don't Alan, see always a lot of good kid shows. Um, no, his was around. really funny. It was quick. It was clever. And mm -hmm. Alan, did you ever see the Bluebeard show? No. <laughs> 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 timing uh, comedy is timing my friends comedy is timing. Right. <laughs> wait for so, it so i mean the the fun thing about that that i remember too is that we pulled that vardo down into the mud which was fun probably definition not the best, of fun best, yeah that was fun it's probably not the best decision ever but then no, but there was they, only one source of power in the entire festival yeah. and it was hundreds of feet away from where we were. So we strung, I believe three 100 foot extension cords that I yeah. bought on Amazon. Yep. <laughs> like you came and, prepared and we found yeah, a lot and you had water bottles around the, you know, connectors or something. Yep. Yep. We wrapped them in plastic and made sure the connectors were safe. Uh, it never got unplugged during a show, thankfully. Yeah. It did get tripped over a couple times and unplugged, but that was before we had the Yeti. Yeah, it was before the yeah. Yeti. This is one of the I reasons why he brought up the Yeti. Bit. 
Yeah, we tried. It, it naturally got trenched as people walked over it. It just <laughs> got true. stuck into the mud. So mm-hmm. I still have that mud on the extension cords. It's in my front yard right now. Oh. <laughs> it never got fully cleaned up. Precious mud. True. That's right. Memories. Good memories. And then, so during the performance during the day, everything was pretty good. It was actually really nice having mm-hmm. it that dark because it was still really cloudy and not quite stormy, but stormy. And um, everything was great. And then we tried to leave. And the sense of community came together at this small festival. (laughs) Because we could not get that Vardo out of that. Because to get out of the veil, you had to go up another slope that was also just as, you know, 20, 30 degrees, whatever. Yep, true. And there's also a complete bog between where our stage was and where the road was. And because they had been bringing the four-wheeler down there over and over again yep, to haul to stuff back and forth. And it created six, eight, 12 inches of deep, deep, sticky mud right mm-hmm. before the entrance. So we had our Canyon Arrow, yeah. which is a Canyon Arrow. XL, but we call it the Canyon Arrow. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And Adam was like, you were not going to let this stop you at all. You I wasn't going to leave the Vardo down there. I know, but it was just <laughs> funny. Deter- you were so determined. You're like, this baby can do anything. And you were... And we had the entire festival. At this point, everything's closed. So it's just vendors and other actors and performers. It's getting dark. And it's getting dark. And they're getting their stuff. They're having that four-wheeler, like Adam said, going up and down this hill to help vendors take their stuff out. And we get everything hooked up. We get ready to go. And we can't make it up the hill because we have everything in our Vardo. We ended up having to take everything out of the Vardo, which we had so many people helping us do. Yeah. It was amazing. Because we had tried, like, what, it was, like, four times just to get it up. You know, and we you'd back up a little farther each time, try to gun it a little farther each yeah. time. We just never quite made it. <laughs> and the final time, I mean, it was epic. There was there was trumpets blaring. There was all this cool music happening, at least in my head. Well, everyone cheered. <laughs> well, everyone was screaming and cheering, and it's like, let's go. And I took the longest run I could, and I just slammed right through everything. Mm-hmm. I was so terrified the Vardo was going to tip over. <laughs> it was it was great, yeah. The, the entire festival at this point was watching us trying yes. to get this Vardo up this hill. Um, and one of, some of our wonderful friends who are part of the uh, Robin Hood show, Merry Men, they come down to this festival, too, so... It was really fun to watch them like cheer us on because I'm like they cheer us on so other so many other times and now it's another yep. <laughs> venue at another place that I'm having my friends go you can do this it was yep and then after that year they couldn't be there anymore because somebody ruined the grounds and like what in the world <laughs> so then they had to they had to find an alternative venue and that then enter Baraboo right Circus, Circus world. world so the first year we went to Circus World. Which made me super excited because it was near the Dells. And we convinced my parents, which did not take much convincing at all because my stepdad loves water parks, that they should come down with us. We would cover the extra cost um, and they would be with the kids all day in the water park and we would go perform. And then at night we'd come back and we would uh, join them. Yeah. And it worked out pretty well. Brett, however, didn't understand that your parents and the kids were all coming and that we were all going to 
hang out and swim. I only told him multiple times. You told him like five or six times. I was very excited. He was still surprised when it happened. He was, which is great. <laughs> and he was like, wait, we're on a family vacation? I'm like, I told you that. <laughs> and Circus World was fantastic. They had us uh, with our own little stage. Again, we brought the Vardo again, I believe. Right. The problem we ran into with that is they had us right next to the... The uh, gas. The gas. <laughs> Big signs that said no fire danger, and it was like so we had to we had to go search for an alternative uh, stage for us. Thankfully, there was a hippodrome available. <laughs> Which, by the way, I will have pictures of this posted on our Patreon for anyone who is a Patreon subscriber. They will be able to see where we're talking about us being so close to the gas. Yeah. And also us performing in the Hippodrome. That is we'll true. have videos of that as well. So for those of us, for those who aren't familiar with what a Hippodrome is, it's basically a theater in the round with a roof on it um, that the best of the best circus performers have performed there over the last hundred plus years. A Hippodrome is, is the circus. Like it's the, it's like the, the main top. ring yeah. in a circus. It's the center ring. Yes. So they were not utilizing this space. No. Well, they didn't know if anybody could perform in there, so we had to ask permission. Right. And I think it was made all the more special for me because of how excited Salsa, uh, Casimir the Hungry, was to perform in there. Uh, Raiderly, do you recall how giddy your husband was? Um. He didn't stop talking about it for about <laughs> a month. Um, yes. So, so my, my husband Salsa is, um, he is a kind of novice historian as far as like sideshow and circus goes. He loves looking at the history. He loves looking at kind of the traditions of sideshow and, um, circus theater and whatnot. And he got to see all the name, like he, we, we had been to circus world before, um, he and I, and he had not known it existed until he met me. Cause I went actually a few times as a kid. Um, there's actually pictures of me with my family, like is when I'm like eight, um, next to one of the, um, circus wagons there. Um, cause it says Sterling on it, which is my last name. And so, and now, um, but so he didn't know this existed and it was just blew his mind. And so it was just super up his alley. And so getting to perform in the hippodrome with people that he loves, but also like that was getting to talk to the um, caretaker dude <laughs> um, is also one of the things because that guy is a font of information <laughs> that of just the past performers and stuff like that. And he um, it really besides like so there was the, the kind of prestige of getting to perform in this place where, you know, all these other people had gotten to perform, but also um, the guy, the caretaker guy who had, you know, been there for decades <laughs> years and years and years leans over to salsa when you when y'all are performing he's like oh one of the better shows i've seen in here <laughs> or something along those lines like he was really impressed with the fondazi show that was going on um and so i was like yeah that's awesome and i think adam you said something in response he's like i have a bigger better show though <laughs> 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 that that was my thought. That's why the next year I wanted to bring everybody yeah. so that mm -hmm. everybody could have that experience of performing in the Hippodrome. It, it's an amazing experience for sure. Um, I 
love the fact that when we performed at the Hippodrome, we had, like I said, we've had multiple people. Um, Casimir and our friend Chris was out there with his group, um, Strim Street characters, and we had some friends there from the Merry Men. And so that first year when we moved to the Hippodrome, because all the signs and everything said we were going to be at this other stage, they just went crazy hawking and trying to get everybody in the on the site into our show, which was yeah so humbling that, that these friends of ours were going to stop doing what they were doing and, and stop entertaining to help us get spread the word that that we had moved stages and that people could come watch our show. Yeah, and the rest of the the rest of the crew that works out at Rogues and Ruffians were also very accommodating to us because. The Hippodrome is constructed in such a way that if you stand in the middle and talk in a loud voice, it echoes through the entire Hippodrome. Everyone can hear you, but so can everybody outside of the Hippodrome. So while our show was being performed, no other show could be going on because it would just get drowned out if it wasn't in the right place. Right. So they, um, essentially we had, it was fun to watch the, the crowd go down because that was also the first year they had a joust. Um, mm-hmm. which the Knights of Mayhem. Great guys. If you ever can see a, li- a full live combat joust, these guys hold, like, they don't pull their punches. They actually hit each other. It You can hear the thud of the body oh my gosh. when they hit each other with the lances. It's just, ah, <laughs> uh, they're amazing. Yes, they are. Um, but they the, the crowd would go to the joust, and then they come to our show, and then they go to the joust, and they come to the show, and that's where we met... Uh, Charlie. Charlie, who is the world champion jouster. For uh, like 13 years. For thir- yeah, he has <laughs> a show on History Channel. He's does jousts in Vegas, and he's the, the, I believe, owner, the main guy for Knights of Mayhem. Yeah, he owns Knights of Mayhem. He's really, really nice. He came to our show and said it was one of the best shows that he's ever seen. Yep. And coming from someone who tours Renaissance festivals, that really meant a lot. Yeah. And I've seen that show... Uh, on the, the history channel that, I, I don't that? Know. have you yeah they do yeah, like yeah. slow slow-mo of the hits it, yeah it is it is fantastically cool it, it's one of those deals where i never really wanted to be a knight because you know they hit each other and stuff but yep. uh and fall off horses and and things like they, that but that show made me want to uh strap on some armor and rush uh <laughs> into battle it was great yeah we, next time they're looking for a knight alan i'll let you know oh well hook me up yeah we got to watch their show during a cowboy show that we did with them and the big guy that we're talking about charlie i mean he is he makes me feel really small and i'm six too so he's taller than me and probably has about 50 pounds on me of just muscle and he unhorsed a guy in the most savage blow that i've ever seen or want to see chris you remember that just 100 yards yeah, away just like oh. <laughs> Yeah, so we brought Chris and Teresa with us to the show um, that they hired us privately to do for yeah. their, their crowd at this rodeo. And those are the things I remember. One, that Charlie just annihilated that guy. Two, they had really a good soft serve at this rodeo. Yeah. And three, they had a puppy. <laughs> and three, Biscuit. <laughs> biscuit the puppy. Biscuit but also so the terrifying cute. unseating. <laughs> so, so Chris, you're saying this Charlie guy and I would be a good match, is what you're saying? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Just go right up against. Yeah, him. I think I you're mean, pretty you close to stature. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I didn't want, I wouldn't want to make him look bad in front of his own crowd, so I may have to just ease off a little bit. But it's all right. That was very magnanimous of you. Hold on a sec. 
we have a child. So I listened to some podcasts where they're like, I just put the music on at the start and the music on at the end and just record. And I'm like, you don't have children in your house. Because right. <laughs> it's That's impossible right. between the toilet flushing, the running up the stairs and interruptions. Yeah. My daughter just got home from hockey and announced it at the top of her lungs. <laughs> Lily walks in. She walks into the door here. She she comes walking in. She's like, and she stops and she slowly backs up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it reminded me of the whole Simpsons into the bush thing. She just backed up, like yeah. dissolved into the background. And I can completely imagine her doing that too. Yep. Facial expressions and all, Lily. Yep. So yeah, Charlie had said how great our show was and I had the same thought of like, you should really see all of us here. So we decided to bring the entire crew. Basically, I wanted it to be the best show that we could put on. I didn't care if we made any money doing it because we were working for a nonprofit anyways. Right. So we put basically most of the money into fuel and making sure everyone could get down there and then housing. And housing, yeah. So we had a great time the year before with... Um after we performed all day, uh, we went back to the hotel, the Great Wolf Lodge, and um, the kids and Adam and I, and we pulled Brett out to the water park, which <laughs> Brett, ha- Brett has never um, had that experience of little children going, Uncle Brett, catch me! <laughs> Throw me, Uncle Brett! Like, he was like, they want me to go down another water slide. I'm like, you go. You go yeah. down another water slide. I'm going to sit right here. It was great. But we had a good time, so we decided, again... We wanted everybody to be part of this. And um, there was a few snafus trying to get us accommodations. I missed out on getting us a beautiful lavender house on Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I you wanted that lavender house so oh, bad. Oh, the lavender house. The house I wasn't lavender. It was in a lavender farm. Oh, right. It was on a lavender farm. <laughs> How for those of, for, <laughs> all right, for those of you who are not backstage at Fondasi, uh, <laughs> the number of hours spent in between in between shows, looking at at phones and passing phones around and chit chatting about this these venues, it, uh, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, we got a show like in ten minutes, guys. And like, all right, all right, all right. But lavender, <laughs> but lavender. There, there it was it a was, gorgeous <laughs> lavender farm with like I, pools and so many bedrooms and oh, a fire and a pine- barbecue. It was yes. like, it was more pining. It's what it was because it was just. <laughs> and, yes. And then I did not get it booked in time. So it was gone. So we had to go to Chula Vista, which is, it was very nice. I had no idea that the Dells were so big. And Circus World is away from the Dells on the other side of I-94 or I-90, whichever it is at that point. And Chula Vista was a 30-minute drive away from where we needed to be. Right. Next time I will keep... Next time I'm going to put Raiderly in charge of booking our place. Yeah, there you go. Next time we won't have so much FOMO. We'll put the Lavender Farm on on notice, okay? Okay. (laughs) We'll book them for next year because we're definitely going back to Rogues and Ruffians in 2021. Yes. I can't wait. So, so yeah, so we're at the point where everybody is at Baraboo. And it was a cold, cold baraboo. 
So good. It was a cold baraboo, but it was the first for a few of us to ever be there. And yeah. Yeah. again, as everyone else has said, the experience of walking into Circus World was insanely incredible. The Hippodrome that Christopher is going to build for us. That's right. <laughs> so That's in my plans. One. I still want a hippodrome for Christmas. So, and, uh, and, and, you had to go there. <laughs> I, I believe what the, the song that you guys play at the beginning of this podcast a lot of times, I don't know if every time, but is yep. was yeah. recorded at Baraboo that very first day when we were just setting up. Yep, you guys uh, we were, wanted yep. to you guys were gonna do you asked for a warm-up song and I was like, do the new one. And I was getting my hair done <laughs> and I pulled out my phone because Soleil was doing my hair, and you guys started playing the new one, and I recorded you. Yeah, it was, it, was, yep. it sounded fantastic in a hippodrome. It was especially, amazing. and I, and I, but I was so sleep deprived because I had driven in that morning because oh because I was at Lizzo the night before at the Lizzo concert, and I like my cousin had gotten me tickets. I couldn't say. Oh, sorry, I'm not gonna be there. So, and it's Lizzo. So I drove that morning, and it was one of the prettiest trippiest drives I've ever had because I was by myself so jacked up on coffee and the sun was, <laughs> and it was beautiful and then I got there it was this rush like okay put on your costume let's go we'll get to the end and I'm, I'm like okay playing and it's cold and I don't I don't even know who I am at this point it <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing at the same time like right off the bat so mm-hmm. it sounded so good that it was just full of sound it would there was no echo it was just full Mm. So who all amazing. went to the center of the the hippodrome and sang show tunes? I know I did. I did. Sure we did. Yep, Katie did. <laughs> oh yeah, we were, we actually sang a couple of classic uh, festival songs too, just because why not? I feel like there's a recording out there of all of us singing like Parting Glass or something at the very end of the weekend. Oh, you're right. I think we did do that. Uh, I think we did. I don't know if we recorded or what. It was too bad if we didn't. <sighs> yeah, somebody's did. got that. It was not on my phone. Oh, okay. It wasn't on mine. One of the other nice maybe, things. But it's in our hearts. <laughs> maybe, maybe next year that'll be on our venue. We can, we can close down with a, with a rendition. Yes, I like that. One of the other nice things about being at Circus World is that there's not uh, a lack of things to look at during the intermissions between shows. Yep. So we will be <laughs> yeah. posting pictures that we have of ourselves in the carriage house. Yes. Yes. Oh. Because we also got to bring Soleil. Yes. Right, Soleil came with us, which... Uh, we wanted it to be a full Fondazzi experience. Soleil yeah. is, will always be part of our group. She is our merch person that um, has gone on to bigger, better things with her photography and can no longer be our full-time merch person, which is great in one sense because now we have Gabby, who is our merch person, who is also Alan's daughter. We like to be. And we can still hire Soleil Fondazzi. to follow us with her camera. Right? <laughs> yeah. Which is what we did. I even have some ideas of what we can do in 2021 to make things even more special for our audience as we do performances in the Hippodrome. And I can't wait to try some of that stuff out. Yes. Not to be not to be vague or anything. That's okay. <laughs> it's better to keep it all secret and exciting. So, since it is October, do we get to tell the spooky story from backstage yes people keep crying people keep trying to tell me that it's not really spooky but it i i don't know like i've researched how all of these things function and i don't know how anything could have been triggered the first time i know how it got triggered a couple times after that 
So the spooky story setup. Backstage, there are two locked doors. One is the manager's office. The other one's a dressing room, I believe. And they have what style of locks on them, Chris? There was some sort of a clasp lock with a padlock that allowed the door to open maybe, I don't know, half an inch, but it kept it closed. Um, yeah. So you could turn the knob and push the door just a little bit. You could see the crack and kind of eyeball into the room. Uh, yeah. But you, you couldn't you couldn't reach a hand in or anything like that. So the very first day that we were there, um, the door, like, I think somebody leaned against it and it slid open. We're like, oh, so we turned our, our lights on on our phones. We flashed the light around. And um, the very first thing that I saw when I looked in there was a ceramic statue of the Three Stooges, which... Uh, is beautiful and wonderful, but also terrifying if you're not anticipating seeing that in a dark room <laughs> backstage. <laughs> and so I was like, cool, neat little dressing room area. Um, the next day is the day. So we had all the performances on the first day. And then the second, or I think it was the second day was when we went to the carriage house and looked around at all the things. So we went, walked through all the old uh, circus wagons, and that space in itself had this really heavy feeling of all the lives that had passed through and all the different, you know, magic that had been imbued into those wagons as they traveled around and carried, you know, circus performers all over. And then we came back from that, and so uh, we'd had props going back and forth off stage. Um, and then at one point, Chris, I believe it was you, were walking back to set some props down, and the light came on in that room. Yeah, I, that I came through. We had curtains that obscured the the, the wings of our, our backstage area, and so we, I was going through the pass-through portion, and I literally ran into Katie in the dark, and the light came on right, right next to where she was standing, and she, like, kind of muffle screamed. Yeah. <laughs> we were still in the show. It was really hard not to actually scream. It was... Not, I'm very yeah. proud of you. That was Thank a you. lot of self-control. It was a lot of self-control. Because <laughs> we all know how loud Katie can scream when she's just unencumbered by performance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it turns out that that room has motion sensor lights. Um, I've looked into motion sensor lights. I mean, I feel like Chris probably knows a thing or two about them. We had been flashing our flashlights around in there the day before, so reflection shouldn't have caused anything. There was no unusual amount of heat suddenly in the area. It, motion sensor lights aren't supposed to be activated by bugs or anything like that, unless a cat had managed to squeeze into that small space and jump up at the exact same moment. I mean, there's there no way a no... cat made it through that door. No. <laughs> that, exactly. So like there was no other explanation for the lights coming on except for the spooky magic of the circus. And that's what I'm going to believe happened. It was very creepy. Yeah. Yes. Very, very creepy. It probably was the ceramic statue. Right? There were other things in that dressing room, though, too, that were also super like there were lots there was of also they they it was like storage of all these props from i don't know if they're a summer show or what but some of them were definitely antiques yes yeah i thought there was a marionette in there weren't weren't the three stooges marionettes I too. I, uh, I i've got photos of all of it 
Um, so I'll put those photos up on Patreon. Um, but they were a ceramic statue. But there were lots of drawings from children, too. So there was like mm-hmm. a lot of energy put into that small space and then closing that space. And then something popped it loose. Some, something moved it. Something <laughs> made it go on. Yes. Well, that, that little backstage area had its own kind of feeling going on anyways, no matter what. Oh, yeah, absolutely did. Also, the, kept, the temperature kept dropping <laughs> throughout Ooh, the days. It was yeah. really it was, cold. It was very dark back there because uh, it just was a very cloudy weekend, too. So yes. um, it seemed very um, ominous the whole weekend back there. You definitely wanted to not sit back in that backstage area for the whole day, for sure. Well, and there was like yeah. a single light bulb. So there was, like Alan said, it was very dim and dingy. And the only thing that kept us going was all the coffee and the crock pots full of warm food so much coffee, so much coffee nearby, and yeah. eventually there were mini donuts and stuff like that out in the world that we go retreat yes in the hot, hot cider. cider yes well, the, the really good thing the really nice thing about rogues and ruffians is that they do provide food for their actors and a meal for vendors and things i believe yeah. we just mm-hmm. never partake in that because a we eat a lot and and b we prefer our own food Yes. We're very much we're... creatures of habit. So like we yes. need to have our food for our performance. And uh but they did have the hot cider out there. If you have questions about the food that we eat, you can go back and check out the <laughs> food video. I think it's episode four. Yeah, episode four. <laughs> I'm sure we can do another podcast all about the food that we eat. I think Circus World is a great match for the Rogues and Ruffians festival. I love seeing it's just for Shakespeare on the Edge, with their goal of being a nonprofit and giving their money, uh, using the money to help artistry, to help performance. I feel like Circus World is such a great place for that because of all the artistry and performance that the circus has been and that that call to perform. I love that Shakespeare on the Edge is promoting the uh, performance of children and trying to get kids more interested in Shakespeare, in acting in being on stage. Uh, I hope that us being down in Baraboo and helping with the festival uh, encourages some of those kids too, to get into acting, to get into performance. We'll definitely have to bring some of our fans along when we go back next year. Yes, it's worth a trip out there. It's amazing. Definitely come along. It's such a great thing that Shakespeare on the Edge is doing to help the kids and help the arts stay alive. And we'll keep doing it as long as we can. I love doing it. It's such an experience. It is definitely one of my favorite places to be performing at. Yeah. I can't wait till 2021. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, pop on over to Patreon and look for Fondazi Fire. If you have any questions or show ideas for us in the future, anything you want to know, then email us at Fondazi at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to Fondazi Fire Presents What Do You Want on your favorite podcast platform.